Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Token Minority. Today we have a story from Japan. I speak with Aki, who is Japanese but was born in Canada and then moved to Japan when he was in high school. We talk about the challenges of suddenly going from a Western society to Japanese society and his journey from dropping out of high school to completing his MBA and starting his own company. Welcome to the podcast, Aki, your very first podcast. How's your morning been going? Because it's like 10 a.m. in Japan right now, right? Um, yeah, I just had my coffee. Um, I just woke up. Uh, I couldn't sleep last night, but you yeah, were I'm in so a good excited. shape. <laughs> I was so excited for this podcast. And thank you very much for you know like having me over in this podcast. Yeah. No, of course. Thank you for agreeing to be on it. We actually met a couple of years ago hey and actually in Yokohama we were at an event in Yokohama right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah but then I actually haven't like seen you since <laughs> yeah we're basically like strangers yeah, I know. <laughs> but so, thank you yes. for inviting me anyways yeah. <laughs> yes of course yes I thought of you because you've got that so you were you were born in Canada which you will talk about in a sec but you know you spent so much of your life there and then you moved to Japan so I think it'd be really interesting to hear your experiences like growing up as an Asian male in uh, Canada and then moving, your decision to move back to Japan. So let's start there. Like, do you want to talk a bit about like your background, where you were born and how you grew up and all of that kind of stuff? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So I just want to say hello to everyone who's listening to this podcast. Greetings from Japan. Um, hope everyone is doing well. My name is Aki. Uh, I have a longer name in Japanese, uh, Aki Tsugu. But many people cannot uh, pronounce this, so you can uh, you just I'll go by Aki today. <laughs> um, yes, so as uh, Tal said, I'm a Japanese guy, uh, born in Canada, Toronto, uh, and I'm currently living in Tokyo. So I'm very, very excited to talk uh, in this uh, podcast today. And just a little bit of like background of myself. I used to live in Canada until around 14 years. So when I came back to Japan, uh, we had you know parents had some issues, unfortunately. Uh, although I didn't want to leave, I need to like follow my parents. And that's the reason why I came back to Japan. So I've been, you know, living in Japan for almost 20 years. So that's time, time flies really quickly. I can't believe 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Do you know why your parents moved to Canada in the first place? My dad had the, a business. Um, he used to do like fur exporting from oh, Canada to Japan. Okay. And back then, like fur was like pretty popular. It was like a status of like wealth. And you know things like that, but now it's not that good. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So his business like kind of declined, and uh, my dad he was always like an entrepreneur, and he's doing his business right now. But he's back in Japan, so I'm still in touch with him. Okay. And do you um, remember much from your time growing up in Canada? Like, did you have quite a happy childhood? Uh, yeah, I had extremely a happy uh, childhood. I had a good relationship with my uh, friends and I was like a Japanese kid in the neighborhood. Uh, I had like latest Nintendo video games. So a lot of like kids came over to my house to play games and yeah. So you were like the popular kid. (laughs) I was the popular kid. Yeah. Popular Asian kid uh, in the neighborhood. I think I was the only Asian kid in the neighborhood. How did you feel about being the only Asian kid in your area? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah, because I had the uh, Nintendo games. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone likes like you know Japanese, like Japanese culture. Um, we had like Karate Kid in the movies, 
And yeah, a lot of kids asked me, my friends asked me like whether I do karate, but everyone had an image that, you know, all the Japanese people are like ninjas or like samurais or, you know. Do you, do you feel like people were quite accepting? Yeah, absolutely. The teacher said like many of the students were interested in Japanese culture. So I did like an origami like workshop. So I told the top people to how to like create like cranes, uh, basic origami, origami um, and also like basic Japanese as well. Like, uh, yeah, greeting. Yeah. Like, konnichiwa. Yeah. Arigato gozaimasu. And yeah, Did those you, basic things. So you grew up speaking Japanese with your parents? Yes. Yes. So at home, I spoke Japanese. I also went to Saturday school, which is like a Japanese school. This is to, you know, not forget your Japanese skills and, you know, leverage that. Uh, and also like on weekdays, I used to go to the local school in Canada. So I did have like Japanese friends as well. But those, uh, those kids, uh, they came to Japan, I mean, to Canada for uh, parents like business. So dad uh, is an expat or working like a, like a trading firm in Japan. And they would like dispatch their, you know, uh, workers to like Toronto. And, you know, they had like a, their own community there. We used to like do some barbecue. Uh, also, we'll meet people at the Saturday school. Yeah. And what was it like for you? Like, did, did you want to go to Japan? Uh, actually, I didn't want to go to Japan. When I came back, I was 14 years old. And around that age, when you're a teenager, I think the most important thing was your friends. But unfortunately, you know, I had to leave my friends in Canada, also the neighborhood that I loved, and come over to like an unknown country. I mean, although, you know, I'm Japanese, I've been to Japan to meet my grandma, but I never lived in Japan back then. So yeah, that was like a huge uh, change for me. Obviously, it must have been very difficult for you then having to leave your life and your friends to move to Japan. Can you talk a bit about the experience of moving and then having to adjust? Because Japanese society is also very different to what I imagine Canada to be like. Yeah, um, I think they're, they're opposite, completely opposite. Uh, especially like the most big part was education in Japan. Because uh, I was like completely, you know, adopt to the, the Canadian education. But at the age of 14, like moving over to Japan, I had to go into like a local junior, junior high school in Japan. And especially like uh, when, you, when I just came back, you're in like the midst of an entrance exam for high school. Um, in Japan, we call it like Jukeng. So a lot of like kids, they study really hard. They also go to like after school to get into their desired like high school. Obviously, I was like kind of like lagging behind from the system when I just came. My Japanese was taught by my parents. Uh, it was taught by taught in the Saturday schools, but that wasn't really enough because, yeah, a lot of like kids in Japan they they do history, they do science, they do math in Japanese, and you know for me that was like pretty advanced level. So I struggled I struggled a lot on that. Also, what I struggled is the disciplines in Japanese schools. I'm sure like, you know, Tao, but uh, all the kids like wear the same uniforms and they're asked to behave the same. I heard it's changing recently. They're trying to like diversify, but 20, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, uh, back then, uh, it was very, very strict. So students were asked to like follow, follow what the teacher says, take notes from the blackboard and, you know, whatever, whatever that is required uh, for them to do. 
if they don't follow it, follow it, they're asked to go to like a principal's office and you know, you're given assignments. So I didn't really like that, you know, strict education system. And obviously Canada was like completely opposite. They respect like more like individuals. Yeah. What you think, uh, what you feel. Yep. And you're also allowed to like speak up. So that was like, yeah, the difference. Yeah, I can imagine it feeling quite stifling going from quite a free system to one where you have to be so obedient and you have to follow so many rules and also struggling with the language as well. And there's also, I find with Japanese society in general, there's so many unspoken and unwritten rules that you're just expected to know. Did you also find that as well when you moved over? Yeah, like like honne tatemae. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of that, but it was hard to for me to like realize. I mean, e- even as an adult and living in Japan, I don't, I still don't like realize that. I, I wonder how you say that in English, like honne tatemae. So it's like, kind of like your, um, like the person that you present to other people, and then your true self. That's how I always thought of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. but would right. you agree with that yeah yeah i think so yeah i think a lot of i think japanese culture they don't really speak up <laughs> uh, but they feel like kind of different um even at work uh they ask you to do this and that but uh when i do this they're not really you know satisfied with that or yeah so i, I always tell like people like yeah please just just tell me what to do just straightforward i mean you don't need to hide it uh, just, just you know, say your feelings, right? Because I think like Japanese culture, they they focus on like more harmony. So whatever you do should be done all together. And if you if you do something different, then you know it's not really good. And there's a Japanese proverb. It's called like if you like stick up, you get hammered down. If you're like the minority and you're not in the crowd, then you're considered as like a weird person. And, I, and and again, I think it's changing. You know, there's a lot of like diversity and uh, SDGs. The Japanese companies are trying to adapt that SDGs, the SDGs. social, uh, yeah, sustainable development ah, goals. Ah, yes, sorry. Yeah, okay. they're also like trying to promote that. So I'm sure it's changing the society itself. But yeah, back then, you know, it was still like stiff. Yeah. How did you find it making friends? That that point is, uh, I made a lot of friends through like hobbies. Yeah, so one of my hobbies is uh, breakdancing. And uh, when I just started, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about making friends. But, you know, a lot of, like, kids were kind of, like, interested in those, like, culture, those street cultures, like skateboarding, also, like, music, uh, dancing. And it was easy for me to, like, make friends through those kind of, like, hobbies. I think getting a hobby is the most easiest way to, like, make friends based on my experience. Yeah. Do you feel like you adjusted quite well to Japanese society then? Yeah, yeah. Like I've been living here for almost like 20 years now and I was able to adjust. First, when I just came back, I really didn't like the system here and I always wanted to go back to Canada. I always tell my mom that, you know, I don't like Japan. Although I'm Japanese, uh, I prefer to go back to Canada. But, you know, when you're like high school, you don't really have the money you know, even even if your mom says you're okay, but, you know, it, it's hard, right? So I had to stay here. Uh, but eventually, I mean, if you grow up, you start to get to, you know, know the culture more. Uh, of course, there's like good sides and bad sides. But 
uh, you kind of like know how to like survive and handle, you know, uh, work your way through the the culture. And yeah, that's why I'm totally okay right now. Okay, so after you finished high school, what did you do? Well, I I actually didn't complete high school. I dropped out of high school, (laughs) which is insane. Yeah, because in Japan, I mean, everything is like structured. So once you like drop out of like high school or school, I mean, you know, you're basically like, you're out of the society. I just couldn't get used to the Japanese education because of, you know, discipline, uh, disciplines, but also it was hard for me to, you know, keep it up with uh, the level, I think. Yeah. And I didn't really enjoy it. And I remember like uh, uh, one of the teachers um, in high school, he accused me to, uh, of like smoking in school, which I did not. But it looks like it happened that um, there was another uh, Kaneko, uh, which same surname as me, uh, from a different school. Uh, he used to smoke in the school. And the room was like spread out among the kids. And the teacher thought it was me. Oh, yeah. okay. And yeah, the teacher, so I had to go to the principal's office. And the principal, uh, he said, like, I know, no, we know that you're smoking, Aki. Yeah. And you need to like admit this. And I said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't smoke. Yeah. So I, I was like denying, no, I didn't, I didn't smoke. But what I still remember what the teacher said is that he said like, oh yeah, but can, kids in Canada like smoke from an early age. So I think you smoke as well. And I thought, well, this is like a stupid bias. And I still remember because it was like really, really shocking to me. Do you feel like your teachers treated you differently? I think so. Because they knew you were, you had, were born and raised overseas. Yeah, probably that. But also, I, I used to dye my hair because I wanted to stand out. Yeah, but obviously, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, even now, wasn't there recently a thing where someone, like, a, was it a minister or a school or something that said that um, students had to have black hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it hasn't changed because, like, there, there used to be a teacher at the at the entrance when you go to school, and he'll check like one by one. And if, and of course, like there's some, you know, kids who are naturally like a little bit of brown hair, uh, then you need to like submit some kind of like documentation to the principal. And it hasn't really changed. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that they, like that kind of stuff is important to them. Yeah. Even uniform, you need to wear the same socks. <laughs> yeah, you need to wear the, the badges. So if the badges is missing, then yeah, you're asked to go to the principal's office. Yeah. That's so crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, definitely. It's still crazy. I was really surprised that it's still happening right now. I mean, in Japan education, you know, you have like, it, it's, it's pretty advanced. I mean, they have a good curriculum. They have like a structured system. But the thing is like this, this school, what do you call it? the The life in school, it, it, it's, it's not good. I mean, it doesn't respect individuals. Do you feel like a lot of people want to do their own thing and be their own person, but feel the pressure to fit in because of the society? Yeah, I was also, yeah, similar to, yeah. Eventually, like you get, you kind of get like a little bit tired of like rebelling. So I used to skip school. I didn't go to school. uh, And then, yeah, uh, I just left school. Yeah. Yeah. And then what did you do after that? I started uh, working like in convenience stores. I used to work in izakaya. I used I used to do a lot of things as a part time. 
And I, I really enjoyed like being connected to society. I, I hated education, but I loved working. And I learned, I learned a lot about work, like working with other people, working as a team, uh, which, I can, which I'm recently uh, leveraging that in my experience. So I spent that for like about three or four years. And I eventually took like an exam run by the Ministry of Education. Uh, and if you pass, you're granted as like high school graduate. So I, it took like two years to like pass the test. So officially I was like a high school graduate. So that was like when I was like 20, when I graduated high school. Um, after I got qualification, I started working in a hotel in Disneyland. Uh, I also enjoyed that too. So I enjoyed, you know, serving customers, but I thought, yeah, hotels like advanced and you also have some international, you know, visitors coming in. So yeah, this will be great. So I worked there for almost like until like 25. And then I thought, yeah, maybe I should go go to university since I have like a high school degree. And I applied to like university, but that university was like a evening like department and classes like starts from like 6 p.m. to uh, 10 p.m., which was pretty hard, but yeah, I managed that. Yep. Oh, great. Were you studying hospitality or what did you study? I was actually studying literature. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was like English, English literature. Literature itself is good, but the concept is I like to like do some like presentations. I, I love like writing, you know, classes and, you know, those more like practical or yeah, technical parts. But uh, I also wanted to like utilize uh, my English skills. Uh, I wanted to like improve that. But there wasn't really, a, for example, like English communication department available on the evenings. Uh, what they only had was like English uh, literature. So that's why I applied. So when I uh, was studying at this university, I was working for like a multinational US-based company. Um, that kind of like changed my career. What I, what I was doing was like forecasting. Like more like demand planning uh, in the supply chain. Uh, also like communicating with like sales team in Japan and make sure that uh, I prepare like some, you know, inventory for the customers. It was like more office work, but I really enjoyed communicating with the Singapore team. So that was my first entry uh, into like a multinational, you know, environment in Japan. For people who haven't worked in Japan, we hear a lot of news about the way that Japanese companies run. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's so stressful. Was that your experience or what was your personal experience in Japan of working? I, I didn't really have like an experience like that. But I'll say like uh, Japanese companies, like typical Japanese companies are like that. I mean, many of the employees, they work till the last train. Uh, it also like depends on you know, the industry as well, but, you know, they have, they have less salary, you know, there's power harassment, pawahara from, from the boss. So that's one of the, going back to the SDGs, um, that's one of the challenges that Japanese companies still have. They need to like provide employees a, a more, you know, friendly or like a healthier like a working environment. And if you see all the like social media, I mean, if your company is treating your employees really bad, then that could like spread the rumor in social media and no one really wants to work there. So, I mean, compliance is like really, really important for uh, Japanese companies, but there are still like some companies who do that way, as you said. So I think like COVID is a good reason because uh, Japanese companies, they want to face-to-face meetings. They, they think that face-to-face is valuable, but now that there is COVID, you know, a lot of like companies are pushing their employees to like work from home. 
which I think is a good thing. But if COVID doesn't happen, then probably the majority of the Japanese companies won't even adopt work from home. So sometimes like they need like a push. So from like a Western perspective, it seems like Japanese society and like the work sense is very slow to come around. But I think a lot of it is because there's so much cultural aspects to it that aren't present in Western societies, like the face-to-face value that you just mentioned before. I don't know if people in Western societies appreciate how important that face-to-face time is for, like, in Japanese society. I think so too. Yeah, I had like a conversation with some of my international MBA classmates uh, recently, and we were like actually talking the same. Like a lot of like Japanese, when it comes to business, they value like relationships. So if I have a good relationships, um, you know, maybe we can. Uh, have like a good opportunity and a lot of like the face-to-face uh, things like that is like building relationship. So it's, it's, it's not, so outcome is the same. I think uh, is if the customer purchased your product, that's okay. But many of the Japanese think that, okay, building the relationship with this customer, I think it's best to, is to go to their office and have like a face-to-face meeting. Have like a four hour meeting. <laughs> yeah. Like a four hour meeting. Yeah. 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 And usually you don't really need that. It's not really productive. I've been to a lot of like Japanese meetings, but yeah, we just like chat, chat, chat. And yeah. So what is the outcome? What is the action plans? So goal is the same, I think. Yeah. It's just like the approach is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you'd finished uni, you'd started working for an American company. American company. Yes. And after that, I went to a French company. Then I moved into like a, a U.S. company. Uh, experience there was like it kind of like changed my career in a positive way the culture was like it's very uh international english was a common used uh language within the company and you know like a lot of many japanese uh, companies are trying to do that like locked in uh, they call it englandization so they they ask their employees to uh, use english as as their main uh communication method and ask the employees to like take toic tests so if you take like 800 toic tests then you're promoted and things like that which i think is a little bit stupid but yeah <laughs> but i think the co- company I, yeah they love testing yeah, yeah because that's the only way they can measure right yeah you know? so what inspired you to go on to study your mba one thing is uh i only had supply chain so i've been doing supply chain in my career so i wanted to le- uh, learn other aspects in business and also like uh, uh make some connection last but not least but also like improve myself i uh, recently i did like strengths finder and i found out that i'm a maximizer there's like total of like 36 strengths and you're able to like see your top five strengths and it's run by like a institution called gallup which many uh hr companies companies in hr they adapt this you know training system but maximizer is like someone who wants to improve themselves. So not like comparing with other people, but you want to be like a better version of yourself and you do that continuous like improving. Uh, and that was like one of my uh, habits as a personality. So I, yeah, I want to improve myself. I want to learn more. And that's why I enrolled to that. And you've completed that now, right? I completed that. Yep. Working in the studies. Thank you very much. And how was that experience for you? It was an amazing experience. Yeah. 
I, I never regret. The tuition was, I think, 6 million yen. It was the most expensive MBA course located in Japan. But it's a Canadian program, and the, the campus, the home campus is in Montreal. The professors will like, fly from Montreal like every week to teach in, in Japan. So, of course, we need to pay for their commute fee. That's why it's pretty expensive. They also have a good brand, so that's why. Are you using your MBA right now? Uh, not that much, <laughs> not that much. Yeah, yeah. But I still have a desire to like, you know, learn more. So I read books related to MBA. Yeah. But the stuff that, uh, you know, you do in MBA is a little bit outdated because, well, maybe you can also say that it never changes, but we do like case studies from, I think 1990s or early 2000. Yeah. Like Netflix and blockbusters, you know, Kodak and, uh, Fujifilm case study but yeah but i think there's always a case to be made for education and learning no matter where you are in life but at the moment you're currently working full-time but also working on your own business right yes so this uh my own business is uh, education after school in japanese it's called juku uh so we call it juku international juku and this is like targeting international kids, kids and adults. So we provide like uh, STEAM education. Have you ever heard of STEAM? It's like STEAM. science, yep. right? Science and math. Yeah, yep. science, technology, engineering, uh, mathematics, and art. These are one of the uh, curriculums that we have. We also like provide like Japanese education to non-Japanese people in Japan and help them like find a job in Japan. So when we're doing like some market research, there were like a lot of non-Japanese housewives. Yeah. So they came to Japan because their husband is an expat or working for like a multinational company. Uh, but these housewives uh, want, to, want to, they have a strong desire to work in Japan uh, and, and, and be connected with the so, uh, society. But they just don't have the Japanese skills. What we are doing right now is, you know, teaching them, you know, Japanese. So, so far, like we, we're getting like good feedback right now. Everything is online, uh, we have, but we have this like program, like weekly and we change like concepts because we also want to link it to the job hunting. So the last, uh, the workshop we did was about how to like facilitate Japanese meetings or, uh, the week before we did like a workshop on, how to apply it to like Japanese interviews and what kind of questions you ask, you'll be asked and things like that. So uh, everyone was like really you know, eager to find like a job and learn how, what is the difference between the Western, you know, Asian, Asian countries versus like Japan. But we want to actually go like beyond education. So education is like just one concept. Uh, recruitment is also one concept, but in the, uh, Overall, like we want to, you know, like build like a community to support like non-Japanese people uh, in their ja- journey in Japan from education, from recruitment, but also like providing like a place where, you know, they can mingle with the Japanese culture. Also, Japanese people can like mingle uh, with their culture and, you know, provide like like a third third place, like Starbucks, where can, people <laughs> can like chill, relax and, yeah. you know, have a discussion. So, yeah, yeah the Starbucks of education. <laughs> Starbucks of education, exactly. Nice, nice. How do you think your cross-cultural experiences and background has helped you in creating or getting you to where you are now? If I didn't have this experience, well, also in Canada, but also from MBA, 
Probably I was a little bit uh, one-sided, maybe. So it made me, you know, understand accepting like different cultures, and I, I really enjoyed it because I think whatever we do in Japan, I don't think it's like is right. There's also always good parts and bad parts, and I think the most important part is to、uh, learn and understand from each other. And whatever whatever is good, I think it's worth like implementing that into the Japanese society, not rejecting it. I think it's、uh, it's very very important to get more like Western culture inside of Japan, because Japan is like a is an Asian country. So a decline of workforce is obvious.、Uh, what we need to do is either have like technology implemented to compensate that. Decline of workforce, or have more like international talents coming in and supporting the Japanese, you know, economy and society. So, I think either ways, like both ways. I mean, Japan、uh, back when I was like a kid, it was it was a technology advanced country. But if you see right now, I think they're, they're lagging because it, like China or India, you know, even the states, obviously, right? All the technology companies or all the unicorn companies are from. Those regions, whereas like Japan, I mean, I think it's kind of like lagging behind the rest of the world.、Um, so that's why Japan needs to be like more flexible and getting in all these、uh, ideas. Yeah, and I think it would be like beneficial for the society as well because I think Japan needs to have more relationship or more openness and accepting. Uh, these ideas from other yeah, countries, more diversity,、yeah. right? Like it's more it's, diversity. Yeah. yeah, it's such a huge conversation. This topic that、um, that we're talking about, just diversifying the population and bring in knowledge and experience from overseas. Because, like you said, like back in the eighties, even nineties, I think Japan was like、yep. top of the game when it yeah, came yeah, to、exactly. like, innovation、yep. and technology, but. Everyone says now, like, oh, Japanese companies still use faxes in the, in the、yeah. office, and there has to be a way to sort of balance, like, you know, the modern technology and ways of working, but also not lose the tradition that Japan values so much. But I agree. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see how it develops into the future in the next couple of decades. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I'm sure, like the the business that I do is maybe it's just small, maybe it's small, but、uh, yeah, I think we can, you know, support that as well. I mean, that's the whole reason why we're doing it. If you think about going back to the SDGs, I mean, if Japan is happy and other countries are unhappy, it's not going to work. I mean, we need to like think about how we can also support Japan as well, but how how we can support the overseas, you know, countries as well. So yeah, it should be like a win win situation. Yeah. So, do you see your future in Japan? That's a good question.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> for now,、uh, for now, I think yeah. I mean, of course, it's not a perfect country. Well, no, no place is perfect. But yeah, I can still yeah live here.、Um, but maybe in the future, I'll go to back to Canada. Not really sure, but yeah. Cool. Okay. Did you want to add anything else or? Yeah, one thing I just I forgot to,、uh, I I touched on breakdancing. That's my that's my best hobby. So breakdancing, like I've been doing this for almost like half of my life, and it requires like intense like movement. I'm getting pretty old. <laughs> I'm like I'm 41 right now, so I'm kind of like old for yeah. 
<laughs> but you know i think it's good to have like a hobby and everyone i think yeah if you want to live a happy life getting a hobby going back to friendship part you you'll meet a lot of like good people uh, friends that you can share your same interests through like hobbies so yeah my last like message to everyone listening to this podcast is like have a hobby yeah, yeah. <laughs> and d- dancing is actually good because um if you're looking for a hobby uh, dancing doesn't require that much money. I know like some people, my hobby is like cars or my hobby is golf. Yeah, but it's it's pretty expensive. Um, but also if you like music and if you like art, I mean, I think dancing is is a good hobby. And especially like breakdancing, it's going to be in the 2024 Paris Olympics. Have you ever heard about that? Actually, no, I did. I must Yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. It is, it is. Yeah, so... It's getting popular. Population is increasing. And yeah, and dancing is for everyone. Yes, I totally agree. As someone with a dance background myself, dancing is for everyone. Even if you think you have two left feet, even if you think you can't keep to the music, I believe that everyone can be taught how to dance. It's just such a great way to move your body, but also work your mind as well. So definitely agree i think so yeah yeah mindset it's a lifestyle like like you uh tell you do also yoga right so you're probably uh, yeah. like flexible Pil- yeah. pilates yoga yoga, pilates, yoga. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah i think in general it's just important to like move your body like physically as yeah. well <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. yeah that's probably why you seem so youthful as well like even though you say you're like 41 now like you honestly don't seem like <laughs> average 41 year old <laughs> it's probably because you do so many different things and you do things you love as well so yeah 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 do your yeah uh stuff that you love i mean you only live once so exactly you, you better as well like enjoy what you do so yeah nice cool thank you so much for that <laughs> okay thank you very much Thank you for listening to Not Your Token Minority. If you or someone you know are interested in sharing your story with me or just having a good old chat, then visit notyourtokenminority.com and fill in the form at the bottom. I really appreciate your support, so don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and follow on social media. Just search for Not Your Token Minority Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.